Welcome back, podcast listeners, up to episode 107 here today, and we're talking about the federal budget, which came out yesterday, Tuesday, the 11th of May, where Treasurer Josh Frydenberg handed down his 2021 federal budget, which was eagerly awaited after an unprecedented stimulus um, that occurred during the past year during COVID-19. The Treasurer detailed the current state of the economy and a roadmap for international travel to resume by mid-2022. I was hoping it was a little bit earlier than that, Tony, but an additional $1.9 billion was also announced to support the vaccine rollout with a targeted completion date set for late 2020. Um, some of the key numbers, uh, a deficit of $161 billion for the 2020-21, which is $53 billion lower than what was initially projected in last year's budget. Net debt of $617.5 billion for 2020-22, which is expected to peak at $980.6 billion in 2024-25. An extra $15 billion for major infrastructure projects, uh, some real GDP of 1.25% for the 2021 year, expected to rise 4.25% in 21-22. The unemployment has rate is expected to fall to 5% in mid-2022. Tony, a lot to unpack in all of this today. How in the hell did you sneak the word unprecedented? Uh, <laughs> That's it. It's, uh, I'm just walking out the room. I'm not interested in, in talking about this anymore. The unprecedented <laughs> times. But look, a, a lot to unpack from, from yesterday's budget. Yeah, it's is. I mean, it's a it's a very um, election friendly budget without a doubt. It's it, it, what what do you find interesting, and it doesn't matter what side of politics you're sitting on, is that. Usually, the a budget after uh, straight after an election or when someone comes in, and if you have a look, what happened with uh, Joe Hockey and Tony Abbott, they came in and wanted to put in the budget that they believed Australia needed, and it was really on the nose. So, what people have to understand is, this was announced in the budget. It's not necessarily what's going to get through. I would be shocked because it has to go through the Senate, but I would actually be shocked if <laughs> if any of these were scrapped yep. uh, because they're actually all... It's a giving budget. It's not a taking budget. And that budget I alluded to earlier, it was, it was you know, a nail in the coffin, the first ever budget for, for Hockey and Abbott, and it was purely based on, okay, we have to fix the economy and we have to do this, and it was cut, 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 and pay to go to the doctors and all the rest of it. I didn't think it was too bad a budget, to be brutally honest, but the rest of the world didn't uh, like it, and certainly the Senate didn't get through. No changes were made. Well, basically nothing. From the surface of what I've gone through on this budget, you would expect every part of it to go through. It would be hard for it. It doesn't matter. I can't even see the Greens really being too upset with a lot of this stuff. They will be, but because <laughs> they have to be. But it's uh, I can't really even see them being... and, and they're, But they're, it's those independence that can block things in the Senate. So, yeah. but I think this is pretty friendly. We'll um, we'll just go through some of the key highlights of it. So, um, guess coming up to tax time, everyone sort of wants to know what that will look like. Um, they're retaining the low and middle um, income tax offset for the 2021-22 year. Yeah, it's for your low income earners less than 37,000, spend an extra 200 bucks. Without uh, reading off this, I think it's about an extra $200 a year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's... You know, once again, I, I just look at this and think red tape. Just, just change the tax rates, yeah. you know, for everyone across the board in these in these brackets. But that aside, listen, it it is uh, two hundred and fifty odd dollars a year to someone who's only earning thirty seven thousand is a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so it it is, and it comes as a lump sum rebate, not your 
you know, extra $5 a week in your pay packet, uh, which is not even noticed. It does. So just in regards to the uh, the offsets is offsets are automatically calculated so your accountant doesn't have to do it. They're just automatically calculated when you lodge your tax return uh, by the ATO's data matching system and then your rebate is just automatically given to you if you fall within those brackets. So it's so you don't have to worry about is it going to cost me an extra $200 to get my tax return done to get $200. Yeah. Uh, so, it's actually, so those who under low incomes who might lodge their tax returns through their MyGov account, as an example, uh, they will still get their rebates, so it won't be an issue. Yeah, and there's also, I guess, tax rebates all the way up to $126,000 yeah. of, of $1,080. Yeah, and a lot of people sometimes get mixed up between tax rebates and tax deductions. Tax deductions are lowering your taxable income, and if you're on the highest marginal tax bracket, you're getting 43 cents on a dollar back. A tax rebate is actually a full rebate. So a rebate is your money in your pocket yeah yep. it's not lowering your taxable income to to get part of it back so from that aspect yeah it's every well a lot of people are going to be getting uh some more money back in their tax returns yep uh reforms to superannuation work test yep so from july uh 1st 2022 uh individuals aged 67 to 74 will no longer be required to meet the work test when making or receiving non-concessional or salary sacrifice superannuation contributions individuals aged between 67 and 64 will still have to meet the work test to make personal deductible contributions yeah it's pretty simplistic in, in the whole scheme of things it's a you know, it's once again, it's, it's realistically a bit of cutting red tape here. But you know, to make a salary sacrifice contribution, well, guess what? You actually have to be earning a salary. So, to actually pass the workforce test, if you're making a salary sacrifice, doesn't yeah. make much sense. Uh, that aside, uh, the non-concessional uh, is after tax. So, in other words, you don't have to be working. You could be retired and just be able to make a tax-free lump sum into your superannuation. The full caps to uh, uh, contribution caps. Uh, still apply, etc. So you can't go and put a million dollars non-concessional in, um, unless it's for you and your spouse as of one July next year. Uh, well, sorry, one July this year, you can put three thirty each in. So you're sort of getting up there, as long as you're below your uh, cap of one point seven million in July. So it, it's it's good. It's also we do a lot in this area, as you know, Jamie, where uh, people are still working part-time, so have an income, don't want to turn their superannuation on into an income stream, or they might just turn part of it on. It's not an all or nothing. Uh, yeah. Nothing. Um, it is basically can turn part of it on. So this does still give them the ability to be able to put more money into super. Yeah. We'll, we'll stick on superannuation for a little bit, but they're also removing the $450 per month threshold for super guarantee eligibility. Yeah, cut red tape. Once again, pretty simple. It's uh, you know the kid working at Macca's um, gets enough shifts to earn four hundred and forty bucks a year and doesn't get his uh, yeah four hundred and forty mm-hmm. a month doesn't get his uh, doesn't get his nine percent contribution into superannuation and this just cuts the red tape. It's yeah. you know it's it's more your your cafes, your fast food outlets, your coals. They're, they're the ones who are going to be more Back to yeah that's right. But it also does help transiers. Um, um, employees as well uh, so you know so who just might be doing the the odd days here and there no real schedule so it's, it's a good thing now one, one that we do quite a bit with our clients um, and it's going to have a real impact is they're extending access to the downsizer contribution yeah so from july 1st 2022 the minimum age for the downsizer contribution will be lowered from 65 to 60 
The downsides, oh, do you want to touch on what the downsides of contribution is? Yeah, we've, we've used this uh, strategy successfully numerous times now. And th- this, there's, this is, uh, th- there is a disclaimer at the end of this podcast, so this is no advice. But the basis of it is there's there's a couple of boxes that need to be ticked to qualify. One of them is you had to have owned your principal place of residence uh, for at least a 10-year period uh, to be able to do it. But the downsize of contribution means that you can sell your house and let's say the non-concessional contribution that we spoke about earlier, they've already used a bring forward rule, they've already put in $300,000 each. With the downsizer, you can actually go and contribute up to 300. Uh, actually, I don't know if it's changing with this budget. Well, I'm assuming it would be, but uh, as of July, it should go to 330. Maybe not. I don't know. I actually haven't clarified that part. But the the basis of it is, is you can contribute $300,000 each as non-concessional contributions, which means it's not taxed into superannuation. It doesn't count towards the contributions cap. So in all honesty, you might have actually gone and put uh, six husband and wife or uh, partners uh, might have put $600,000 into their superannuation fund and then sell their property and do it. Historically, you had to be age 65. And there are rules like, for example, you do have to buy a new a new house within a certain time period and things like that. Yep. But wonderful strategy of being able to build up your big tax-free bank account in retirement. And of course, if you turn your superannuation into an income stream after the age of 60, all its earnings are tax-free and all the income you generate from it are tax-free as well. So it's a good strategy. Yeah. So uh, Staying on the pensioners, I guess around that age and maybe a little bit older, but this this one's always interesting. So, so you said I'm about that age? No, staying around that age. <laughs> okay. Improving the pensioners loan scheme. So I only come across this, you doing this with a client um, a couple of years ago. So Ooh. it's an interesting one. So for the first time, older Australians will be able to access a limited lump sum from the pension loan scheme. Pension loan scheme will allow individuals to supplement their income in retirement by borrowing against the equity in their property, assisting older Australians to maintain the living standards in retirement. This will take effect 1st of July 2022. The reverse mortgage? Uh, no. No, not really, because you actually, it's, it's what you're doing is you're just bringing forward your age pension as a lump sum part of it. You're still getting your age pension, yeah. uh, but it's, it's helping you put a few dollars in the bank at the same time. But you have to have you have to own a property, uh, so you have to be a homeowning pensioner on this basis. But you can, if you're running really low on the lump sums and things like that, you can bring some money forward. And all it is is when the property is sold at some date in the future, it is repaid um, at that stage. So the it's not something that we do a lot of. But in saying that. The government hasn't come out um, here. It will come out in their superannuation reforms, the positive superannuation reforms. I I believe it will. Nothing's nothing's guaranteed at the moment. But where they are encouraging people to downsize in retirement, not necessarily to have the two million dollar house, five bedroom house where they you know the the single widowed pensioner lives in one bedroom and and the and basically the the kitchen. And then you've got uh, the the in trying to encourage to stimulate people to be able to buy properties. Yep. If you've got more properties on the market, it it does flatten uh, growth in properties as well. So they they are looking and encouraging pensioners, as you can see from the downsizing contribution as well, to start using uh, their own money or their own equity that they have to fund a decent retirement as well. 
Um, yeah. So in, in saying that, it, it's a, it's actually a loan just brought forward of part of your pension, basically. Yeah. So the self-managed super funds relaxing residency requirements. Yeah, we do have a number of um, you know people who do go overseas for a year or two to yep. work, um, and on that basis, you do first have a self-managed super fund, then you got accountants having to wind them all up, and and all the basis of it. So it's a, this is just you, you still have. Safe uh, test. Sorry, you're still having the safe harbour test on it. Yeah, yeah. So you're still you're still having all of those rules that are actually um, applicable to the superannuation, but you're not basically forced to go and wind it up immediately. Uh, especially if your circumstances change. Now, you might work overseas for a couple of years and decide to continue. And if that was to occur, well, then you might wind up your super fund at that stage. Yeah. So the boost to infrastructure investment. What's the benefit here? Jobs. Jobs. Yeah, so, I mean, even if you think of unemployment rate at the moment, um, they're obviously trying to get down to 5% by July next year. Right now, we have 75,000 more people employed than what we did before COVID. (laughs) So we've done pretty well. Um, And... You know, just walking around every, uh, well, the three cities that I do, most of, most of all walking around, uh, your Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne, the infrastructure spend ha- is enormous. And what it's done is, of course, is if there's lots of building going on, there's very high employment, uh, the higher the employment, the more taxes are paid. The, the higher the employment, the more money that's spent and put in the economy. The more money that's spent and put into the economy, the more profits are made by companies. More profits are made by companies, uh, the more taxes are paid. Uh, the more dividends are paid, people have got more money to go and spend. And on that basis, you know, it's it's a stimulus package without just going and printing money and then giving someone a cheque. Yeah. It's actually a stimulus package by... Uh, putting people into full employment and of course when you've got so much work going on wages do tend to rise as well yeah uh, so there is so there is that and th- a lot of this uh, the infrastructure is obviously in uh, building of some type whether it's building tunnels uh, building properties building affordable housing uh, but it's it is in respect to that affordability side so the putting that in means more money spent and also I think too is it's not just the tradie with the hammer uh, or the shovel working on the tunnel. I know they don't use shovels, but you know what I'm saying. The, the basis of it is that it's the companies that supply those shovels. It's those companies that supply the nails. It's, it's the cafe owner across the road from the construction site. Yeah. It's the, so there's, there's, a trickle da- there's that the trickle-down effect to all the other uh, suppliers of these things is, you know, the our industry, our clients who in, say in this type of industry and they're earning more money. Uh, our services are required more. Uh, accountant services are required more. Now, every you know everyone should pay their fair share of taxes, but you get a good accountant and don't pay too much. <laughs> so don't pay more than you have to. So it it is wonderful. Now, if that's going to help. Uh, reduce unemployment down to levels that even when we're having a booming period through the Howard Costello uh, era, unemployment was still up at around 6%. Interest rates were quite high because inflation was quite high. So I think, um, first of all, the reason why we're $52 billion less uh, than what we expected to be in respect to our debt position from what was expected in the last budget, which was during COVID, was because COVID didn't affect us financially as as bad as it has in other parts of yeah. the world. So that's so it wasn't 
great fiscal savings because uh, the government did spend a buck a load of money just even on JobKeeper as an example. Uh, so they did spend and uh, even anyone who's self-employed, you know, uh, with taxes and savings and things like that, it, that the government did do a great job. That spurred on the economy. That's kept everyone employed. That's why employment is not just down. Uh, unemployment is down. It's actually doing quite well. But that frees up the 52 billion that wasn't spent has freed up the money that they can now actually spend in infrastructure spending, aged care, childcare, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yep. So we'll, we'll touch on childcare in a moment, but. The instant you should touch on childcare yeah. because my children, well, I suppose the ch- my children still, but they're adults. Yeah. <laughs> so but instant full. We still do have a number of clients who own childcare centres, so maybe you should touch maybe, on Maybe you should. But instant <laughs> full value asset write off for business now it was introduced last year and that's got that one year extension now. Yeah, and this for companies of turnover is less than $5 billion. So yep. that's the majority of companies in Australia. Yep. But rather than depreciating an asset over a five year period, you can take the full depreciation of that asset in the first year, which obviously lowers your tax liability uh, in, say, this fund, you have to have a tax liability, but it, it just helps uh, lower the profit side. And uh, once again, what's it doing? Companies are going out and spending on a new infrastructure that they require. You know, if we if we need new computers, we're going to go buy new computers. Uh, I think we're buying a new speaker at the moment, so we can write that off. <laughs> it's uh, all in one year. So it's, I didn't um, know about the speaker. We're looking it's not for to you. No. It's actually not for you. It's for Willard. Okay. <laughs> so, so. But look, the last point we'll touch on today, and we just said, um, the affordable childcare. Sorry, so Willard, I'm not looking. You're not using you as a tax deduction. <laughs> <laughs> the government is investing an additional 1.7 billion into childcare. Um, that's to increase the subsidy for the second and subsequent child. The av- annual cap will be removed from the 1st of July 2022. So around 250,000 Australian families expected to benefit from the change. Yeah, and once again, if you if you think about this, and the benefit of it is that. Sometimes you have a lot of families where, um, I mean, you've got, let's say, a mum, because it's historically in families it might be the mum, Some in a lot of cases also dad nowadays too, but uh, the mum decides to take time off work, newborn, newborn baby, takes time off work, raises the baby the first year or so, might have maternity leave, holiday pay, etc., and then uh, decides, okay, I'm um, going to put baby into childcare, and I'm going to return to work. And I might, but might only be able to return to work part time yeah. at that stage. They've returned to work part time, and basically, it's a case of they're saying, mm, God, "What I have to pay in childcare, uh, and what I'm earning part time, I'm exactly the same situation," you know. So. I might as well just stay home with Bubba, or do I want some uh, adult conversation, which in some offices can be childlike anyway. So it's uh, but it so the idea of this is that the caps are quite high and quite generous. But what it does is it gives them the ability, and of course, if the spouse, male or female, but if the spouse returns to the workforce earlier. Also going, that's also going to help uh, bridge some of the gap that you see between, at the moment, male and female uh, superannuation balances. Uh, because if you're not in the workforce and you don't have the extra spare cash to put in on behalf of your spouse, the basis is there's no superannuation going. That's what sometimes can cause the disparity 
between uh, males and females is historically females have been the ones that take time off work to raise the kids, not working, uh, not getting superannuation contributions. So, I mean, from a family law aspect, super is usually combined then split. So it's, it's not a case of, well, that's yours, this is mine, which used to be the case. Yeah. Um, only up to about 15, 20 years ago, I think superannuation wasn't counted in a, uh, a divorce. So yes, yeah, so if you think about it, the let's say the the example given was uh, the female didn't work for five years by mutual um, agreement, raising the kids. Dad was working and got a super fund balance of two hundred thousand bucks. It was a case of, well, Dad can walk away with that, uh, and Mum's destitute in retirement, living off the age pension. So it is a Good far change. it is a far fairer system nowadays too. Fantastic. Yep, Tony. Always a riveting one, the federal budget. So I appreciate your time today. Oh, I was up till three in the morning actually typing all this up. (laughs) (laughs) No, it wasn't. (laughs) The Coffin Bond Podcast is a product from Coffin Bond & Co., which we are an authorised representative of Account Financial. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of the Kofkin Bond Podcast are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decision, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from the podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Kofkin Bond website, or you can find resources on the ASIC website and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Kofkin Bond and Co. and the hosts of the Kofkin Bond Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of the country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.